Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that connects people navigating STI stigma to mental health resources. Today's guest is, I don't know, I, I feel like I should call you almost my primary health care provider because every time I come here to get tested, you're the one to test me. I think it's been, what, you said two years, so if I'm coming every six months. I've seen you four times now. You're like, yeah. you're the you're the most consistent healthcare professional that I see. So, Lee, how are you? I'm fine. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Um, I mentioned that I get tested here by you. Um, so this conversation is really coming from when we last talked. Uh, we mentioned it's Pride Month, and you wanted to highlight the importance of. Uh, trans people getting SCI testing done. Is that right? That's correct. So why is this something that is so pressing right now, or for you even? Um, for me, it's a, something personal because I happen to be a black transgender woman. So I want uh, people in the transgender community to get tested because I want people, A, first to know their status, and if you come back reactive or positive, let us continue to treatment because your sexual health is just as important as your regular health. And a lot of people don't remember that or don't believe that. So, so our job here at Vibin, or my job here at Vibin, <clears throat> is just to make sure that your sexual health is as good as your regular health, which means coming to get tested. If you happen to become positive or reactive, let us get you into treatment and go from there. Yeah. And so not only do I test for STIs, I also test for HIV. Mm-hmm. And Vibin is... Um, a great place because we're uh, uh, like a, a medical home. Yeah. Like say if you come get tested and you test positive for HIV, then I wouldn't get you into care, see a doctor, go home with medication all in the same day. So I noticed something recently, and you just said it as well, that people say STIs and HIV. Why the separation? Um, because, well, they're all from the category of, of infectious diseases. But sometimes people... You have to break them out because people will understand and hear HIV and, and STIs used to be called STDs. But we call, but everybody knows you have to have an infection before you can have a disease. I've never heard it that way. Thank you for explaining it that way because I always questioned it and I'd see different reasonings behind it, mostly being uh, stigma based mm-hmm. rather than it being an infection is what leads to a disease. Right. Not, they're not different. They're just, not to say they're not different, but. One, one is it's a cause and effect. Yes. One is the cause and the other is the infect. Just like you're living with HIV because HIV is the infection and AIDS is the disease. Ah, okay. So, and thanks for explaining that too now. So it's HIV, uh, it, it's not, is it HIV and AIDS? And like what I'm confused about too, I guess I've never really had anyone to ask this on the mm-hmm. podcast, is HIV turns to AIDS, and then is it AIDS, or do you get your viral load down and it becomes HIV again? How does this work? Okay, so HIV is the infection, and then if your viral load isn't, if you're not viral load suppressed, then it turns into AIDS, which is the disease. And then you have other complications. That's when you hear like people die from complications of, of AIDS, okay? So HIV, there's a, you come in, you get your viral load down, you got to make sure that your viral load suppressed, right? So viral load suppression, if it gets low enough, you become undetectable, which means undetectable means there's not um, as much HIV in your blood as before. So therefore become undetectable. Untransmittable means un- undetectable means untransmittable. 
you cannot transmit your HIV to someone else yeah. because your viral load is then suppressed. So does the same thing apply for AIDS or are there different medications or is there a different campaign? Because I'm familiar with U equals U, mm -hmm. undetectable is untransmittable, and the language around it is just HIV, HIV. So what happens if HIV becomes AIDS, can you then become undetectable? Well, once it gets to AIDS, which means your viral load is no longer suppressed, so therefore there's other medical regimes that you have to take, and then that's when um, infectious disease doctors come in and, and you get treated and you try to suppress your viral load again, so you get back to become a healthier you. Oh, okay. And so the importance of getting tested for STIs and HIV is we're preventing people from getting to the point of having AIDS. We're also preventing the passing of HIV from partner to partner because we're at a place now where we can uh, eliminate HIV if everyone is aware of their status and on medication and on their regimens in order to keep them keep their viral loads down uh, and keep from passing it on to other people. Yes, that's true. But it's but but there is we work to prevent people from getting HIV. That's prevention services. What I do. Then also there's a camp out there campaign out there that says treatment is prevention. Because if you treat your HIV and you get your, your viral loads down and you're undetectable, which again means you cannot transmit the HIV to anyone else, then that in, 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 um, treatment also means going to see your doctor regularly, adhering to your medical regime. Just make sure that you're taking care of yourself, living the healthiest you you can be. Okay. And that is part of prevention also. Yeah. Now, as someone who has not tested positive for HIV, uh, what are some things that we should know, especially if we're engaging with partners who do have HIV or are considered high risk for HIV? And I use air quotes when I say high risk because of the various categories and reasonings behind it, um, which I guess I can ask you to speak to some of those. Like what makes a person high risk is one question. And the other question is what are some things that people who may be negative for HIV need to know if someone discloses their status, their HIV positive status to them? Okay, so let's go with the, um, according to the CDC, high risk categories are intravenous drug users, and men that are having sex with men. Can you describe what that first thing was? Oh, and people that inject drugs. All right, thank you. Intravenous <laughs> drug, drug I've never heard that word before. Oh. I ain't scared to say it, but I ain't heard <laughs> no, something that's okay. before. Right. No, people that inject drugs. Okay. And people that share drug equipment, such as needles. Um, that's why needle exchange programs are very important. And are a form of prevention? Yes, a form of prevention. Though? Yes, even though here in the great state of Missouri, you can still get prosecuted for needles and we do have some needle exchange programs here but you know they're very underground you know and we're trying to work to get a needle exchange laws passed here in Missouri but that's a slow process because you know we're a red state um so that's what that's one way to get HIV is, is through drug use injecting drugs so then according to the CDC again it's men that are having sex with men Right? That can be gay men, bisexual men, trans men, um, men that have same-sex relationships but are not gay. All right. We, we got to talk about that, too. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> 
You said we can talk about anything. We can so talk about be, we can Yeah, talk. this would be where I ask okay, all the so questions. <laughs> there's a segment of um, the community, or a community, I should say, that they consider themselves heterosexual that just happens to sleep with men. So is it like, he sucked my dick, I ain't gay. Is it like that kind of thing? Or? It's kind of like a bromance. Okay. You know, have you read articles or seen stuff about bromance? It's like did, when two straight men have sex, but they don't consider themselves gay. <laughs> what? No, I haven't read about this. Yes. No. And there's, there's bromances. Yes. So the only thing that I have, there was a, a rapper, not a rapper. He's a singer. Um, I don't remember how long ago this was, but I think it was, it was Tank, uh, the singer, um, where there were accusations or he, he said something. I don't know if it was spun around or if he actually mm-hmm. said this, but it was like, uh, you're not gay because a man gave you head. And the internet, black people, black, yeah, black people just went crazy about this because it was like, yes, you are, blah, 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 and just like attacking them in the media. So when you said that, like, that was what I thought of. Yes, that there, there's a segment of society who believes, men believe that, if a man gives you head, then you're not gay. All right. Or if you engage in anal sex with a man, occasionally you're not gay. What is it like? Uh, the pitcher and the catcher or something like that. Don't like say whoever, that. Whoever's either. the top. Like the <laughs> we top. say top and bottom. Right, we don't say we pitcher and catcher. <laughs> so in this instance, it 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 shocks me that we have to even separate the two from men who have sex with men and men who have sex with men but don't admit they have sex with men like are those were those categories i forgot what you yeah, it was it. men who have sex with men include um gay men uh-huh. bisexual men trans men um even um and then people that are engaged in bromances gotcha okay all right um, so these are the people who are considered high risk. High risk. <laughs> and then the second part of my question was, well, how did I forget this? Uh, <laughs> yep, I forgot the second part of the this question. We, we can just come back to it. Unless you remember. You remember? I, you know, my memory. I'm old. My memory's bad. So it's okay. <laughs> It'll pop back up. Uh, so also, I noticed um, when I got tested from you, you asked a series of questions that... I don't get asked by my, I haven't been asked by my primary healthcare provider whenever I had them um, before I assigned that role to you. Uh, You ask about my sexual activity, you ask about activities, who I'm having sex with, and one of the questions was, uh, do you have sex with sex workers? And this made me think like later on after the fact, I was like, huh. Because we don't exactly say sex workers. Oh, what was the language? The, the question is, have you had sex with someone that exchanges um, sex for money, uh-huh. drugs, or other things that they need? All right, so if a sex worker is someone who exchanges sexual, uh, I forgot the, the more politically correct definition, but mm-hmm. seeing this as someone who does ex- exchange sex for money or sexual exchanges mm-hmm. to some degree for money, would that not be someone who falls under that category of uh, what you ask about? Yes. The reason, and there's, when you come here to get tested by me, there's no shame. No. There's no judgment. My job is just to make sure that your sexual health is good. I don't care how many partners you have. I don't care what you do. I'm just here to make sure that I give you information to make a, a formed decision when that decision comes. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just giving you information and tools and make sure that, that um, it's, you come to see me in August and I don't see you in September again for the same things. 
So yeah. I'm just here just to give you information. And, and the reason I ask those questions, like there's a series of questions, like basically I get all up in your business about, you know, how many partners have you had? Have you had sex with a man? Have you had sex with a woman? Have you had sex with a transgender person? Last five years, last 12 months, in the last 12 months, how many partners have you had? Because those things lead me to talk about counseling, about how to make your, your sex good and healthy. Not good, but just healthy. Yeah. And, and kind of protect yourself. And if you use condoms, great. If you don't use condoms, great. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about why don't you use condoms? Why you have condomless sex? And there's various reasons because people don't know there's a lot of different kind of condoms out there. We got them for small, we got them all the way to extra large condoms. So we've got um, condoms that are thin skin, we have condoms that are non latex. So if you have a reason for not using condoms, we have a probably condom to fit that reason why not. And if, and if you don't want to use condoms, we got something for that too. It's called PrEP. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And PrEP is? It's... Um, pre, is it pre-exposure? Pro- prephylactic. You got it right. Prephylactic? Yeah. Pre- I, I keep calling it pro. I don't know. I can't say I'm, <laughs> I am the worst at trying to say... I just say PrEP because I get tongue-tied yeah. on what it's actually called. And I'm sure that most of the people who have listened to this podcast, will yeah. listen to this podcast, will recognize it as yeah, PrEP. No one needs to say the science. No, we just, we just, uh, most everybody I talk to just calls it PrEP. Okay. Like, girl, I need to get on PrEP. I'm like, yeah. well, okay, let's, let's, and we have a great PrEP navigator, navigator, uh, navigator <laughs> here at Vibrant. Okay. Uh, so let's get into this. Um, okay. Why is there a need for us to have a conversation about, um, encouraging trans people to get tested um it is my mission because i believe that trans people but there's so many reasons why trans people don't come to um can we start there yes there's a whole list of reasons there are they don't think medical providers are educated enough about trans health issues Um, a lot of trans people have been disrespected when they come to seek health care, they've been dead named, and dead name means um, they use your name given at birth or your given a name and not your, your name you choose. Like for instance, if I came here and they called and I said, wrote on my, my paper, my intake forms, that my name is, legal name is George, and then, but I go by Jordan, well then they say, next I need George. Well, you've just dead named me, and I even told you what my preferred name is. So it's things like that 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 there are bad experiences with trans people come to providers to get seek medical care. Um, so here at Vivant, we we are trained, we understand, we are a very trans friendly organization, and I encourage trans people to come here. And it's very important that trans people know their status. You know. This is a good point for me to highlight here, too, that, like, that is a sense of invalidating someone's identity. And Something Positive for Positive People began as a suicide prevention resource. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I'm learning is suicide prevention is identity care or being able to uh, acknowledge someone 
in the way that they want to be seen. So doing something as simple as calling somebody by their preferred pronouns, their preferred name, or uh, what, what it is that they go by. Like if they say, hey, these are my pronouns, respecting them is a form of suicide prevention. And on the opposite end of that, if you're not respecting that and partaking in suicide prevention, then you are essentially enabling, uh, you're a suicide enabler, to put it quite frankly. So yeah, just wanted to put that little nugget in there. Right, and then um, also um, a lot of trans people don't get um, tested or treated because of the stigma that's involved with it and some people are afraid of transphobia. A lot of people, they say transphobic things like when they're getting, when they're getting taken care of. I mean, you go there for medical care. Like myself, I, um, I don't know if I told you this, I'm, I back about eight, year ago, eight years ago was diagnosed as being intersex which means I'm not 100% male I'm not, and I'm not 100% female. I'm a combination of both. Um, so all my paperwork had to be changed. And I remember one time I went to get a shot at a, at a clinic before I started working here. And um, the, I was the only person in the waiting room. And, um, I ha- and you know, you have to put your legal name on everything. So I had not changed my name yet. So she's looking around the room, she's looking around the room, and I'm the only person in the waiting room. She goes, she hits another nurse, and she whispers, and they're looking at my paperwork, and they're whispering. And so she calls out, I don't have a dead name, I have a former name, because I didn't start transitioning until three years ago. So I have a whole career as my other name. So she called out that name, and I said, oh, that's me. And she's like, oh, oh. So we go back in the room, and she's filling out the paperwork on the computer, and she finally stopped, she said, well, well, my former name was Leon. And she says, Leon, that's an unusual name for a girl. And my only response was, I'm named after my father. Because I am. My name's Leon Barson Jr. So, and she went, oh, well, it's just an unusual name for a girl. <laughs> and so then I was there just to get a hep C shot. So 30 minutes later, I told her about intersex and transitioning and all this stuff. And she said, okay, well, thanks for coming in today. And I'm like, can I have my shot? please. So we went 30 minutes and she totally forgot that she had not given me because I explained to her about being intersex and being trans. And then I had to pay $125 for me educating you on the reason why I was there. Yeah. And do you even feel like she heard you? I think she did. Okay. I think she, I think she did. And, and I'm a believer in education. You know, as Nelson Mandela said, education is our greatest weapon in this fight against intolerance. So I take those moments and I see them as teachable moments. Yeah. And I teach people. So maybe the next person after me, either intersex or trans, at least they'll know, um, the nurses there will know and have been experienced and exposed to a trans and intersex person. So how do you navigate that? Do you experience... uh education fatigue or disclosure fatigue or anything like that especially in your personal life you're going to a place where (laughs) you would think that they were informed about what you're explaining to them well i i don't um recently i was in the hospital because i'm having some well you said we talk about anything i'm having some um uti issues and so i went in and i had a catheter and i said well is the catheter gonna hurt when you pull it out well, first of all, they, did you know you can take a catheter out of home by yourself? Yes. I'm not doing that. I pay for you to put it in. I'm going to pay for you to take it out. <laughs> that lady said, well, you take it out. I'm not doing No. You have to deflate the balloon. I'm like, no, 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 because I know. 
So I went in and I said, is it going to hurt? She says, no, because the catheter in the vagina is, is a shorter distance than trying to put in your penis. And I said to her, well, I still have a penis. And she was like, oh, you do? I said, well, I guess you didn't read my chart now, did you? <laughs> and it's just stuff like that. Or when I'm talking to the doctor and the doctor's talking to me and he said, well, um, something about a, to do with the vagina. I said, I don't have a vagina yet. He's like, oh, oh. And they flipped through and I'm like, y'all didn't read my chart, did you? No. Because I happen to go to a hospital that I don't normally go to. And so they didn't have all my information. Like I go to um, a doctor in a hospital. Actually, all my doctors are in the same building because mm -hmm. I have five different ones. And so they can always just read my chart. And this particular doctor, they, it was the first time I had been in that hospital. Yeah. So it, that's, that's a lot of things that trans people go through. But I look at those, again, those moments as teachable moments. Now, disclosure fatigue, I never get tired of educational fatigue or disclosure fatigue. Now, the only time I really do get tired of disclosure fatigue is when I have, when someone says they like me and they want to take me out. Then that's a whole different subject we can talk about later on the podcast. I mean, we can talk about it now since we're here because we'll forget. <laughs> Both of <laughs> us will forget. Well, I mean, we're here to talk about getting trans people tested, but however, um, it's mainly with black men. And black men suffer from that mass, that toxic black masculinity. Um, I'm not saying anything that we have, people have not talked about. So you can go from, ooh, baby, I want to be with you and I love you. And three words can change that in an instant. I am transgender. And then you can be called everything but a child of God and told how a freak you are and they're going to kill you and how dare you deceive them. And I'm like, you talk to me. <clears throat> I didn't talk to you. So this is actually a good transition point here because now we're talking about violence in the not trans community, is uh, black community towards black men, violence towards trans women. Is that, is That's that right? That's correct, okay. yes. So there, there is a lot of that. Um, last year we had 45 trans people killed transgency people and 92% of those were trans people of color either being African American or Latina. Last year? Mm -hmm. Last year. And so where? for this year. Where? In the United States. So this year so far we've had 30 um, trans or GNC, GNC for gender non-conforming people killed and 97% of those people have been trans women of color. And when we talk about um when we talk about like the killing, obviously there's no reason for it. Uh, this stigma, essentially, how it not only impacts the trans community, but how it impacts the perpetuators, the, those who uphold the standards of um, the status quo of what stigma says about being trans. And I don't know that education is something that's needed. I think is more allyship than anything. Like advocacy from those of us who have the ability or know trans people who can speak on their behalf. And I, I kind of equate this, the only way that I can um, tie it together really is with herpes stigma. Everyone knows someone who at least knows someone who has herpes. We and all have herpes. The more, if you, you can say I, cause I, Here's my thing with that statement is that I can ask someone like, hey, do you have herpes? And they can be like, no, nah, actually, I got tested and tested negative for it. So until it's like, and I don't say things in absolutes, mm -hmm. but 
given the statistical uh, accuracy of uh, the likelihood of so many of us actually having it, if we all know someone with it, then why is it that we are uninformed or not confident uh, in having allies like we should have allies we should have people who if they hear a herpes joke speak up against it if there's some sort of uh bad talk about someone who says yeah that girl told me she had herpes or that guy told me he has herpes or they told me they have herpes and then there's some bad mouthing for someone to check that shit like that's the best way for me to describe it I'm not seeing, I see it in the communities that I'm part of, sex positive community, LGBT community, um, but it's not something that seems to be present in black people and or in the black community. And there's a number of reasons that we can probably talk about that, but the allyship, ten, it, it seems to end where it's most needed. Cause like you said, those numbers of the trans people that were killed these were black trans people mm -hmm. right yes so there has to be some kind of an intervention there and the only thing that i can think of immediately that comes to mind is allyship from within the black community we talk about this black toxic masculinity that is exactly what it is so for black masculine presenting people to even just be able to say like without fear of losing whatever it is that you lose i can't think of anything that you lose by supporting somebody but because it comes from you know stigma is so intersectional you know like i get stigmatized all the time first for being black first for being trans plus working in the field of hiv you know so another story i i wear t-shirts all the time that talk about I heart safe sex. All right. So number one, if I wear a t-shirt that says I heart safe sex, what do you think that makes me? People see sex. sex. People see sex and that's what they respond and to. And they read I heart sex. So they think I'm having sex all the time. I said, no, I heart safe sex. And I explained to them what safer sex is. They like, oh, so you must be one of them girls that like to have fun. And I know what you're calling me when you say you must be one of those girls that like to have fun. There's a much shorter word for that. Whore. <laughs> that's what that's what you're calling me. I'm like, no. Or and then I tell them, they well, what do you do? Um, I work for say I work for um, Vibrant Health, and they go, well, what does that do? I say we're an aid service organization that primarily has services and programs for people that are living with HIV. You got the AIDS? I'm like the AIDS. People still say that. Yes. <laughs> and it's black people. I go, no, I don't have. First of all, it's not called the AIDS. And no, I do not. I'm not living with HIV. Well, why do you like to work with the AIDS people? And I'm like, it's, it's not the AIDS people. The advocacy just does not stop. It doesn't, it doesn't stop. And sometimes that, that disheartens me because it's come from people in our own community. And it's, it's, I don't know if it's a lack of knowledge or is it the stigma involved or is it they just don't know any better. Like, it, it comes from older African-American people. It comes from students. I was doing... Um, a fair, a job fair at um, St. Louis Community College. Someone came to our table, we told them what Vibe and Health was, and they're like, oh, y'all got AIDS? I'm like, you're in What college. kind of question is that? But people, people as, as soon as you say something like that, you, you automatically become a second-class citizen. Yeah. Automatically become a second-class citizen. If you're, and that's why a lot of black trans women don't come to get tested. 
because you're already going to be bastardized and ostracized by society because you're trans. And then if they see you, and that's another thing, when we tested clubs and things, we can't get black people to get tested because I ask them all the time, come get tested. Uh-uh, people think I'm sick. I say, well, flip Ain't that, that around. Wild. Ain't that wild. I think, flip that around. Maybe they'll see, oh, they're taking care of their sexual health. Let me go get tested. Uh-uh, they think I'm sick. I'm coming here. I'm like, no, they won't. You know, but it, but it's, it's that, it's the different, how do we fight that stigma? How do we fight that stigma to turn it around, to make it a positive thing, where to come get tested is a wonderful thing. Knowing your status is wonderful. Asking people their status before you have sex. Why is that so taboo or why is that a bad thing? I ask women all the time, did you, before he puts on the condom and it's so since I do, do you ask him what their status is? Well, I gotta ask that because it's your sexual health. It's your health that you're, you're protecting and taking care of. Um, and all the time I've had people, I ask people, what's your status? What you wanna know for? Cause I just wanna know. Why? Yeah, that defensiveness is often a red flag. But it's it's always part of the it's part of the stigma. It's yeah. part of people are afraid to talk about sex. You know, I'm a very sex positive person. I love sex. I love talking about sex. My job is to talk about sex. You know. Yeah. So why why is talking about sex so taboo? Like I'm doing an event um, this Friday, and it's um, called Let's Talk About Sex, the Senior Edition. Because seniors are also some of our highest numbers of newly diagnosed HIV people. Because they think after a certain age that they no longer have to worry that was about. That's question I was going to ask. Is it just like, <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> or what? Well, yeah. because they think of, okay, I'm 65 or 70. I don't have to worry about anymore. But oh, you do. Because there are different reasons, especially in women, um, you're, you're more susceptible to an infectious disease because of vaginal dryness. Um, and now there's this little pill that men take. They can be hard for four hours. So they're just doing it and they don't think. And they also come from a time when, when contraceptive was not. You know, you, don't, you were supposed to just be married, be fruitful, and multiply. So they aren't aware of condoms and stuff like that. I so I go. thought about that. Yeah. You know, because they. they, cause it, they most people in nursing home now, nursing home, assisted living, I should say nursing home, that's very stigmatizing, um, is that they brought up in the 40s and 50s and 60s when your job was to get married and have babies. And there was no contraceptive, whatever. So they weren't brought up like that. No one ever talked to them about it. And actually that's one of my favorite things to do is talk, about, talk to old people about sex. Yeah. So you go there and you like introduce them to condoms for the first time. Like what? What's their? They, they know what they are. Like, <laughs> they know what they are. Like I say, like when I go and do these presentations, the first thing I say, "Who in this room's having sex?" And you know, the ladies like, "Oh, I would never." And then me and like, "Y'all having sex?" I'm like, "Okay, first of all, all y'all, everybody in here having sex." And then I lay all these condoms and lube out on the counter, and I said, "Okay, when the presentation is over, I'm gonna step over here and answer questions." Now, when I turn it back around, if nobody in this room is having sex. All my condoms and loops should still be there. So I turn around. I'm asking questions over here. I turn around. All that's gone. I say, hey, hey, hey. I thought nobody in here was having sex. <laughs> and one day, I'm getting these for my grandson. I'm like, you don't have to front with me. It's okay if you're having sex. If y'all are 60 and 70 and still knocking boots, 
Good more for you. Good, good for you. More power to you. Yeah. But, you know, I'm here again to just make sure that your sexual health is good as your regular health. Uh, going back to stigma and trans people needing to be more empowered, encouraged to get tested and feel supported, what are some other ways that we can, um, I guess, help challenge the stigma and make trans people feel supported in being aware of their status? Um, first of all, so tell trans people that they do matter. Um, tell black trans women that their lives do matter. Um, when you go to a Black Lives Matter protest, ask them why don't the signs have any names of black trans women on there. Because I, I have spoken to a couple of um, Black Lives Matter and said we need to start saying black trans lives matter. Because all black lives don't matter until black trans lives matter. Yeah. You know, and people say, oh. And even in our community, in, those, in their own little black lives matter movement there's still some some um levels of transphobia yeah you know question so when we talk about trans women trans men are we wanting mm-hmm. to i got a question are we i'm sorry you all right <laughs> are we doing what are we doing for um the weekend of the 26th and the 27th the 26th is the work fest and 27th we are doing testing at drag queen meet bingo okay so Workfest. Do you know what the hours are? I don't know. You gotta ask Curtis that, cause I don't remember. Look to see if there's a, a thing online about Workfest. I, did, I, did. I don't know. Curtis is in charge of that. So then on Sunday, do you know what the hours are? Yeah, we start. Um, doors open at noon, and we just go to three thirty or four. So it's like four hours. And it's drag what? Drag queen meet bingo. Okay. okay. Curtis here today. Um, he was, but he left. <sighs> All right, I ain't talked to him in a minute. We we recorded the podcast, and we need to like revisit that. Okay. Uh, anyway, so my question was, we don't forgot again. <laughs> this is the worst. <laughs> it's okay. It's our, uh, we weren't talking about a I lot. What, oh, I do remember now. So it's the whole. Um, I've been under the understanding that trans women want to be seen as women. Trans men want to be seen as men. So is trans taking? Is the word trans being there? pre-women, pre-men, is that taking anything away? Uh, to me, no. Um, like, um, you say want to be seen as, well, first of all, we already are. You know, just because, um, as I learned when I first got my intersex diagnosis, is that um, just because you have a vagina doesn't mean you're a woman. There's a whole bunch of different biological things that go along to make you um, a woman or, or make you a man. Just because you have a penis doesn't make you a man. So, oh, Lord, I lost my train of thought. Well, yeah, it was just, is trans necessary? Um, is it man or woman? Period. Um, I, I consider myself as a woman. And I, I just say a trans woman just so that people... Does it just alleviate a lot of confusion it, yes, or, it or questions and, and stuff? It gets, it gets it right out there on front street. Okay. You know? And I even check the boxes sometimes depending on what I'm doing. I also check the boxes so that trans people are counted in demographic information. Uh-huh. Because right now we don't have a lot of information coming in. We don't have a lot of information about that? trans people. You say, I'm sorry, is this the correct number for? Yeah, That's, the got, phone numbers didn't change. I got an email from the guy saying he's been calling this number and nobody responded to him for his results. And okay. So. Um, yeah, that's the right number. They left, they leave a message since Monday. 
Okay. I'll double check when I come okay. back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. Sorry. Right. You're in here by yourself. You know how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> you're captain of the ship around here. No, 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 no. Uh, no. They come uh, look for you your lunch break. I know. I'm like, oh, okay. But no, because people are always saying they leave messages and stuff. And oh, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm lying, but I'll get back to it in a minute. So, no, I consider myself a, a woman, you know? But sometimes I, like I say, I say trans woman, so it just gets the point across in an instance like this. Or demographically, there's no information, demographics out there to support the need for grants for for trans health because we don't have the demographic. Like we know there's 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 a need for the, for people getting tested, but we don't have the numbers for people getting tested. Mm-hmm. You know. So um, recently we had an opportunity. Um, to write a grant, and I was like fighting for, let's do something about trans health. Well, unfortunately, there were no numbers in St. Louis about the number of trans people that we have in St. Louis. But but MTUG, which is Metro Trans Umbrella Group, is doing a great job of now capturing demographics. So in a year, we'll have that information that we need. Okay. Uh, being intersex, being born intersex, how do I say that? Am I was I born, intersex, right? born intersex. But I didn't find out until I was 50. Eight years ago, right? Eight years ago. So, uh-huh. In five, first of all, how do you find that out? Well, or how do you not know? Well, or? There, okay, so you can be diagnosed intersex at birth because of ambiguous genitalia, um, or you can find out when there's reproductive issues, or you can never find out. Or some people don't find out their intersex until an autopsy is done. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you don't have any reason to, like, let's say, um, if someone were intersex and trying to get pregnant but couldn't, or were trying to get someone mm-hmm. pregnant and couldn't, right. it could just mean that a particular reproductive organ wasn't there, maybe? And it depends on your testosterone and estrogen levels. Oh, okay. So, being- Like in my instance, instance, the baby came out, doctor flipped it over, saw a penis, boom, Mr. and Mrs. Braxton, you have a baby boy. Well, had they done some genetic testing, they would have found out that's not true. So it's that complex. Like, we can't just look and be like, boy, no. girl. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. So I happened to find out that I was intersex going to a doctor to start a diet. Mm-hmm. There was a new doc- a diet called Metafast. So she was going to put me on that. So I went and got tested. And when she got my blood work back, she called. She said, um. <laughs> this I was think eight years ago? This was eight years ago. You need to come in because there's something not right with your blood. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, dying. I got cancer. She's like, no, queen. Just come, I think we got your lab work mixed up. So she said, I'm gonna do some more tests. So I came in, six more vials of blood. A week later, she called and said, come in. She said, I'm gonna talk to you. So she said, um, we did a karyotype on you. So your hormones are female, but your chromosomes are male. She says, there's five receptors that make um, either you male or female, but all those five receptors are the same, you're a man. If all the five receptors are saved, you could be female. Only, only had two things that made me male. The other three were female. I was like, oh. She said, so, um, most men have a testosterone level between 800 and 1200. I had 0.01. I barely had any testosterone. But I didn't have enough estrogen. I had a lot more estrogen than I had testosterone, but not enough estrogen to push me through puberty. So I had my estrogen levels were low enough that I was in menopause 
And I was like, but I don't have a vagina. How can I be in menopause? And that's when the doctor explained to me, you don't have to have a vagina to be a woman. And I was like, oh. So my blood, when you draw it and it, you compare it against a um, cisgender woman's blood, it looks the same. So there's no, it reads female. So that's, so at birth, I was miss um, diagnosed as being male when I should have been. You miss no, not gender, missexed? Yes. Yes. So my sex sign of birth was incorrect. All right. So growing up, I grew up as a boy. So you grew up as a boy. But I always felt like a girl. Always. When did you begin to stop acting out what you felt, or I'm sorry, when did you begin to stop acting out what you didn't align with? Um, growing up in kind of a religious African American home. Did you grow up in Missouri? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kansas City. All right. <laughs> so I was. I love tennis and figure skating. I was forced to play basketball. Well, I'm six foot four, so I could play basketball than anybody. I could beat my cousins and anybody. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> but I was not. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to play tennis, and I was very good at it. I would sneak off and win little local park tournaments when I was twelve or thirteen. But as my family said, no one ever got out of the ghetto playing tennis. I'm like, well, Arthur Ashe did. Oh, like, Serena. Oh, this was, this was before. I forget. It was I forget the your early age. 70s, so. Yeah. So, um, so I was forced to play basketball. So when I went off to college, I dabbled in drag. And then that how that was part of the release. It was, I'm writing a one woman's play about this, about how I went from Leon to Dieta to Lee to Jordan. And how Dieta was just a manifestation of Jordan. It was Jordan all along, but I just gave the, the stage names Dieta and, and Master as a drag queen. How'd you pick a name? I was high. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was much more into it because, like, I think, uh, like, if I went from it, Courtney to a okay. different name. So, this be... is what it's supposed to be the street that you grew up on. Amen. Oh, your, your first pet you had in the street you grew up on. So actually, my name would have been Fluffy South Bend. Shiva Cope or Shiva Venice. Oh, Shiva! That sounds. But mine would have been Fluffy South Bend or Fluffy Brooklyn, which sounded like a stripper. So I'm like, no, (laughs) Fluffy Brooklyn, Fluffy Brooklyn, (laughs) or Fluffy South Bend. Yeah. Because I spent half my year on living on South Bend and half living on Brooklyn. So I'm like, oh, that sounds like a stripper. So I was in my bedroom painting my bedroom wall and I had this can of paint that I found in the basement of my apartment building. So I ran out, I said, well, I gotta buy some more paint. So I flipped the can over and it said Odessa Blue. And I thought that was a pretty color. So my drag name was gonna be Odessa Blue. And everybody like, ooh, Odessa, girl, no. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I my name to Oh, no. So we were trying to come up with names and that's how we got some fluffy sound bit and everyone was So you got stripper. high paint. No, I was. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. Yeah, you guys explain. <laughs> we were, <laughs> it wasn't at the paint fumes. This was at another. And before you start doing drag, back in the day, you had to you had to have a drag mother. And you had to perform for your drag mother, a few friends, because if you didn't cut it, you did not get to go on that stage. So, this one night she said, "Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna bring to the stage." She said, "What's your name?" I said, "Oh, Tessa Blue." She's like, "No, no, 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 no." So. We went through a variety of names that didn't work. And she said, well, look, you're the color of this Diet Pepsi on the table. Then we just said, oh, of course, we were high at the time. We didn't know no better. We said Diet of Pepsi, and that's the rest is history. Diet of. Oh, that's funny. So, I, my life has so many chapters and stories. Yeah. And ebbs and flows. And okay. So. Uh, so this is the first I've, like, 
talked to or heard from someone of the intersex experience. So are there any like things that you want people to know uh, who may be unfamiliar? Like what are some simple things that we should know in the event that someone shares with us that they are intersex or someone, uh, let me stop there. I'll let that be the question because I'll do that thing where I ask two questions and forget what the second right. was. Um, first of all, that gender is not binary. And sex is not binary. There's more than male and female. There's intersex people. And we do exist. Because I sometimes get on Facebook arguments with people who say, there's only, no, no, there's not. There's science says. Like, I said, biologically speaking, science. biologically speaking, intersex people do exist because I'm here. And they're like, well, you're just a freak of nature. And I'm like, no. So that's where I said, sex is just not men and women. Um, also, that intersex people do exist. Um, it, inter, being intersex is not a birth defect, as someone asked me before, because of ambiguous genitalia. And just respect intersex people as human. We are human beings. It doesn't matter what we have in between our legs. We still are people that go to school, go to work, pay our taxes, serve in the military, you know, things like that. Yeah. Huh? You also mentioned uh, transitioning re- like soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eight years ago, you find out you're intersex. Mm-hmm. Eight years go by, you said for the last three years, you've gone through the process of transitioning. Well, once, or... I, it kind of was, I've always felt feminine. I, I always wanted to transition. I always wanted to have a vagina. Always, always. Only thing I would joke with friends when we just jokingly about it, i like, ooh, if I was like five foot eight and 125, I'd have a vagina by now. And we'd all laugh and they'd think I was joking, but I was being dead serious. So, but you know, we mask laughter with trying to cover up our true feelings, you know? So I just, when I got my intersex diagnosis and I started on estrogen, because I can't take testosterone because I don't have the necessary equipment for it to, to work. So I actually went through menopause and puberty at the same time. So when I went through puberty, female puberty, I grew breast and hips and ass. So I, one morning I was getting out of the shower and I have a full length bathroom mirror on my shower, back of my bathroom door and I caught a glimpse in there and I was like, Ooh, who's that girl? I was like, oh shit, that's me. And so I looked in the mirror, I said, okay, Mother Nature, okay, all right. So you know I'm to transition, so you gave me this body, so I guess I'm just gonna transition. And the next day I just put a wig on, makeup, went to work, said my name was Lee and that was that. Yeah, where'd you work at the time between when you made that decision? I worked at Phillips 66, right down here in Lindell and Boyle. Uh-huh. And I went to work and told my boss, my name is now Lee. I didn't ask permission. I didn't ask HR. I just did it. And they're like, okay. I feel like that's just kind of who you've always been, though. So there wasn't really a difference. You just were like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. Right. Like you were never someone to ask permission necessarily. My, so mind, on life, my mind on life is act now, ask for forgiveness later. Yeah. So, but no, I just, I didn't, and there was no big there was, I was always called ma'am. Even when I worked in the mortgage business and had a suit on, people thought I was a lesbian. They just called me ma'am. I was like, okay. So I never was, I, and I don't even get misgendered now. Only reason I get misgendered is because sometimes I forget to use my girl voice and I just like use my regular voice. And, you know, and it's always black women or black men that, that always do that. Yeah. You know, like one man told me, I know you ain't fooling me. I'm like, what are you talking about? I know you're a man. You're not fooling me. I said, sir, I'm just trying to live my best life. And that's 825. Thank you very much. How do you... 
how do you just have like this composure about it? Because you've given me throughout your conversation today mm-hmm. about four situations where I know people who have lost their shit on somebody. I know because it's not. First of all, folks are crazy. I'm not getting shot over that. And it's just I don't let I don't let nobody bother me. It's in St. Louis. It's from from St. Louis. I'm not I'm the, I don't let shit like that bother me, cause I'm secure of who I am. I'm secure of like in the apartment that I live in. I stopped on my floor to get on. A man got off. It didn't bother me. I'm like oh, that's your loss. You know, I've been attracted to men before, who said oh, I can't deal. I can't go out with you. How do I explain you to my friends and my family? They think I'm gay. First of all, you're not gay. You're not gay because you dated a trans woman. You're not gay. But people think that. I mean, I just have that much self-confidence in myself. Yeah. Even navigating a body that you may have felt out of place in. Is that an accurate statement? Mm-hmm. Okay. Navigating a body that you felt out of place in. You Did you always have that confidence? Because I feel like there's just this inner conflict consistently that makes you... I've always had the confidence when I covered up with drugs and alcohol. Okay. And food. All right. We can talk about that for the next 10 minutes. We, we got, yeah. So what, we can. what did that look like? Oh, what, drug and alcohol? Well, I've always felt, I, I loved, I, I loved to party and drink and get high. I'm not going to lie. I loved to eat. I loved to cook. I didn't know I had these culinary skills until recently. I had my own restaurant called Miss Leon's. I make the best fried chicken in St. Louis. Is it, is it still open? No. Mm-hmm. I've been looking for the best fried chicken. I make the best fried chicken. I, I, I'll make you some fried chicken Please. one day. Yes. I mean, you can come to my house, I'll feed you. Right. I feed anybody. Okay. Right. So, um, so I love to cook. Um, I inherited my grandmother's cooking skill because my food tastes just like your grandmother made it. Um, and I love to eat. I just, I love everything about food. I love everything about food. But at the same time, I love liquor too. I love to get drunk. I'm the life of the party. Um, if, uh, if people were having parties and I would get there. You said love, like present tense? No. Oh, all right. <laughs> no, I love, no, I, I well, I'm, I have to be the center of attention. Okay. I do. Know yourself. I, I, I own it. I'm vain. I like to be the center of attention. Um, that's probably why I'm single today, to date, because there can't be, there can be one star in this relationship and it has to be me. <laughs> but I go, I, also, as I'm well known in St. Louis. And it's hard for somebody to, like if we were dating, you would say, hey, honey, tonight when we go out, can you not talk to anybody? I'd be like, no, I can't do that. Because A, number one, I had a whole life before we met and I knew people in the real estate business and I knew mortgage brokers and I, I have financed houses, got loans for half the LGBTQ people in St. Louis. I, I just know people, you know? So I can't do that. Plus, the moment you ignore someone when you kind of have some sort of celebrity status you become that bitch you know what I mean so yes we're together but as long as I go home with you what difference does it make who I talk to if I never get time alone then we should stay home but when we go to movies you're done you know everybody I was on a trip one time got off the plane walked into the airport talked to 10 people I knew he's like how do you know people in Baltimore I just do you know we were somewhere, we were, we, were, we were some obscure place, like some little podunk town. And I walked in, the people like, hey, Tyler, girl, I'm like, hey, how are you doing? He's like, damn, how are you doing? I'm like, because I've been in national pageants. I've been, you know, I've done a lot of stuff like that. So, but I just, it's hard for me 
sometimes. Um, I, I try my best to navigate this body. Um, and I've, again, lost my train of thought. What was the question? Again? Well, no, the question was just like navigating a body that you feel like you don't it, it, it's just, in. It's, I've always felt this way. And I've always had confidence in myself. You know, yeah. like I did, I said covered up drugs. And drugs, um, the drinking I don't miss. I have had a drink or a drop or snort or anything in three and a half years. Congratulations. Right. But mainly because I got a bad heart. I have congestive heart failure. Oh, okay. All that caught, finally caught up with me. Congratulations. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, <laughs> fine. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's okay. Um, so the liquor I don't miss because getting over a hangover at this age, at 60, is a bitch. I think it's bad at 30. Like, no, it seemed like the second no, I turned 30 and no, drank on the 30, Saturday night. I could steal. At 40, oh, I would steal. It may take a couple of days, but... Whew. But now, I can't I, afford to miss two days of work after I drinking know. on a Saturday. <laughs> but, you know, back in the day, I could, I could go... I could leave off work on Friday, stay up all the weekend, as long as I had a fresh shirt and tie in the car, you know, go on to work that Monday and, and function. But I, I don't miss the liquor, but I do miss the drugs. I like being high. You know, just recently... I ran into a, a drug dealer and he's like, hey girl, here's this. I'm like, I don't do that no more. You know, the temptation was there for about 30 seconds. Yeah. And I went, no, you've come too far. You are extremely certain of yourself. And for you to be able to do what most people would struggle with, just you ran into your drug dealer, your drug dealer was like, here, and you mm -hmm. associate your drug dealer with good times, you associate drugs with good times, mm -hmm. and here they are waving it in mm -hmm. your face, and you're able to say, no, I don't do that anymore. I don't do that anymore. How do you, like, it seems like it's just immediate. Because I don't want the headline to read, bitch died from a drug overdose, and everybody goes, she, I thought she quit. <laughs> so you'd be a liar. I'd be a liar. I'm about a liar. And, about and plus, I've gone... I've gone three and a half years without it. Yeah. And I want to know where is this journey? Where are we? Where, where is it going? How is it going to end? When, did, when do I get to the end of the road and I get my happily ever after? Yeah. But it's a journey. It's, it's, it's a journey. And then, I don't know. And that's why um, I, I love my job, talking about sex. Because a lot of people don't talk about sex. Like when I got on the family reunions, they're like, oh, Lord, here she comes. I'm like, hey, y'all. And the people that don't know me, like, what do you do? Well, I do this, but my, basically my job is talking about sex. So when's the last time you got tested? And then my aunts who are in their like, 70s, 80s, like, oh! I'm like, oh, y'all? When's the last time y'all got tested? Just because y'all in your 70s, 80s don't mean y'all ain't. They're like, well, yeah. So they're like, will you please come home this time? Do you think you cannot talk about sex? I'm like, don't have people ask me what I do. I just remembered the second part of that question. Oh, okay, go ahead. We got which time. Which is really just a statement of uh, the burden of knowing and holding primarily men accountable for getting tested falls on women or it falls on the person who's having sex with the man. And so we talk about stigma and it feels like that's one of the things that we need to address as well in order to change the status quo. Yeah, we need to address stigma in the black community mm. because that's, that's one of the things that, that we have to overcome, especially as women, as black women, we have to make sure that we control our own sexual destiny. You know, don't let a man get mad at you because you ask what his status is. And it's different, it, it's different between black and white men. Like, for instance, when a white man, I'm having sex with a white man, and I pull the drawer out and I say, what kind of lube, what kind of condom would you like? Because I do have them in various sizes and, and assortments and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, I'll take this. But you don't have a black man. Why you got all this shit in there? Why you got all that? Who's been over here before me? 
Well, you, I'm not, I'm not attached to you. I'm not oh, married shit. to you. But it's like that. They get mad. Yeah. And they want to have discussion. And I'm like, put your clothes on. You're leaving because now you're gonna make me mad, and I'm out of the mood. Because just the simplest thing as having condoms and having lube, they get mad. Yeah, and like we won't have it. We. And, and I'm like, watch you have it. Yeah. You have some condoms, and I don't have none. Well, here, here, I got a whole drawer. What, what kind do you want? They're like, why you got all that in there? First of all, it's what I do for a living. And second of all, I appreciate myself that I'm not going to let you fuck up my life by, by infecting me with an infectious disease because I want to take care of my sexual health. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a good place to wrap up before this thing cuts off. Um, is there anything else that you want to leave us with? We've talked about testing in a trans community, violence against trans black lives trans black lives matter mm-hmm. uh we've talked about intersectionality intersex intersex not intersex. intersectionality and we also talked about the intersectionality of stigma and the intersectionality of stigma we have to end stigma in the black community i think that this looks like sexual health as well as mental health mm-hmm. uh stigma in the black community what am i leaving out and what do you want to leave us with um we need to, to make sure that a um you come to vibe and health and get tested um, tested for HIV and STIs. Please remove your stigma about coming to get tested um, because you're taking control of yourself. You know, you're taking control of your sexual health. I mean, if you go every year to have a physical, why not come here every year to have a sexual physical and make sure you're okay? Um, and just things like that, and we, and especially in the black community, let's, let's, let's destigmatize getting in charge of your sexual health. You know, like again, I don't care how many sexual partners you have. I don't care what you do. Just take care of yourself. That's all All right. Thank you, Lee. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to, share this podcast. And you can donate today at www.spfpp.org in order to help people navigating stigma receive the mental health resources they deserve. Till next time, stay sex positive. Oh, and also visit vi- visit us at vibanthealth.org. And we will link to that in the show notes also. We can donate to vibanthealth.org as well, right? Yeah, you can donate. Yes, donate. Yeah. We need money too. All right. <laughs> <laughs>